0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to The Lisa Burke Show. I hope you've all had a wonderful Easter weekend, whether you were celebrating Easter, Passover, just family and friend time, or even much needed time alone. A weekend full of Luxembourg traditions, Kibern, rattles, and the Easter Monday festival Emeichen. 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 <laughs> I love my Luxembourg residents here telling me how to pronounce Emeichen, where you can buy little whistling birds, the Peckwilker.
1: I'm looking again for whether I've. That'll do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a Dutch accent, yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, how do I pronounce those two things? Emeichen. Emeisen. Emeisen and pe- Peck. Heck-ful-ish. Oh my God, I got it entirely wrong. Well, anyway, the weather was wonderful. It's also been a really busy week for other reasons globally. Thursday, 21st, was World Creativity and Innovation Day, as designated by the United Nations. Friday, the 22nd, when we're actually recording this, is Earth Day. And it's also been Fashion Revolution Week, culminating in Fashion Revolution Day on Sunday, the 24th. An annual event occurs on the anniversary of the 2013 Rana plaza collapse. This was a building in Bangladesh which housed a number of garment factories employing about 5,000 people. The people in this building were manufacturing clothes for many of the biggest global fashion brands. More than 1,100 people, mostly young women, died in the collapse and another 2,500 were injured, making it the fourth largest industrial disaster in history, an extremely sobering and hopefully world-changing event. Now onto the show today. My guests are Patricia Luchetta and Paul Bradshaw, who will talk about the Sound of Data project, part of Esh 2022 European Capital of Culture, and Daniel Sar, who is the director of the Luxembourg Pavilion for the World Expo 2020 in Dubai. Welcome to you all. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, Lisa. It's great to have you all here and Patrizia, Paul, I'm going to start with both of you. First of all, a little introduction to who you are Patrizia. After leading the development and implementation of Luxembourg's national strategy in biomedical life sciences, you ventured back into the private sector where Patrizia used her international experience to advise companies seeking to refine their strategic goals especially regarding market positioning and communication. And since 2012, Patrizia has been increasingly in cultural projects, especially music. Paul Bradshaw is a booker/promoter working across various venues in Luxembourg for the past sixteen years, based at Rockhall for the last seven, booking a variety of concerts, clinics, and masterclasses. And Paul is also personally active in the local music scene, playing in different bands such as. Actress, yep. <laughs> Actress, treasure chest at the end of the rainbow, La far connected, and Mount stealth, and more recently his solo electronic project Airship eighty one. Thank you. Thank you. Now I want to start with you, Patricia and Paul. To tell us first of all what is the sound of data project, Paul? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's uh, it. I mean, first off, it's it's kind of um, funny finally being twenty twenty two because. The, the The crux of the idea was something that was worked on way back when I think it was twenty nineteen already, where discussions were had and things were were talked about, and then the submission finally happened. And um, to be finally in twenty two and to see the year sort of happen extremely quickly because we're right in the middle of it is uh, is is great. I mean, to finally see also, um, people find out about the project and the opportunity to come here, of course, to talk about what's happening this year is, is, is great. But the, the crux of the project is essentially a process called sonification, which I'm sure people have been exposed to without necessarily knowing. So we're talking about transforming things that, that are, you know, sounds or whatever, um, or data per se, into sounds. Sorry, the, the other way around. <laughs> So a basic example would be, say, uh, when you're...
0: Transferring sound into data,
1: uh, or data sorry, into sound. Data into sound.
0: But I suppose it works both ways round.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a bit like cooking, almost. But I, I think the uh, basic example would be, say, when you're parking the car and you, you get those beeps to, to tell you how close you are to an object. That's a pretty basic kind of example of data sonification Mm -hmm. so it's measuring the distance between you and an object and it's giving you an audio cue so you know what's going on Mm -hmm. so people are aware of that and they you know that's something that's just in in, in the background that you use almost on a daily basis depending on what car you have my car doesn't have one but hey you get used to it (laughs) and um basically it's it's having this in mind and using it for a more creative approach so um Something that we've seen quite recently is that uh, we're looking more and more uh, at technology-based uh, music creation. So we've seen, you probably read about uh, AI music or AI compositions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, They're
0: ending composers' works who died before they could complete their works, for example. Yes,
1: for example. Or even fully-fledged AI-based compositions which sort of flies over a lot of people's heads because you need that human element, I think. It's, it's people
0: still, think they need the human element. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, if they're not aware
1: people. of it, they might not think about it. But I think on paper, if someone says, oh, this has been created by a computer, your audience will be quite different than to say, oh, this was, this was made, you know, sung, composed by Lady Gaga. Oh, okay, you're talking to a different sort of audience. It reminds me
0: of the diamond analogy, you know, getting a diamond from the ground or yeah. having one chemically processed.
1: Yeah, I mean that's 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 a good way of looking at it, and one of the recent or more recent developments we're seeing the sort of AI-based music, but you're also seeing the idea of random generation of say data and things like that that turns into music or sounds because what music is a very personal thing whether you like something or not, and there's these interesting developments where you create sounds that are not necessarily things that you've maybe grown up with or used to. And um, We're talking about, uh, I guess, the Western scale. I mean, I'm going to get a bit techie. Well oh, I like technical.
0: Here. Yeah, no, I understand what the Western scale yeah, is. Yeah, so I mean, if, Eastern, if, for instance.
1: Uh, yeah, if you look at music on, 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 a, on a very sort of basic level where you're looking at specific notes in specific orders and things like that and, and things that people are used to in, say, pop music and things like that. But between, say, two notes, there's... There's a huge array of, say, micro-pictures, for example. And those are things that, say, through data sonification, for example, you can pick up on these things and use that to express stuff that's happening in the data form. So to come back to this data sonification thing, where it's useful is to perhaps analyze a big data source or any data source, and then by listening to it, instead of going through like this huge big table of numbers and trying to figure out okay this and that you can listen to maybe one minute and then within this one minute it's going to describe what's going on in this uh, you Sounds know this right. data set. Mm-hmm. so actually
0: I then have a question for you okay because I do understand what a western scale is and we have tones and semitones and then when you look uh, further east to Indian or Chinese music you get the quartz tones etc yep. And as you say, there's a lot of sound between those quarter tones. I'm thinking of birds when they sing. Have you transferred a bird song into data and how that is expressed in the data?
1: Our understanding of, say, pitch, for example, is if you talk to people that have perfect pitch, for example, for most musicians, that seems to be the ultimate asset. But my guitar teacher at music school, he had perfect pitch, but he he never really let us know about it until one day during a lesson... Uh, the amplifier that he was using, it had an electrical mishap, and it, it made this very high-pitched squeal, and then then stopped working. Without missing a beat, he said F sharp. Like it was the first thing that came to his head, and we played, and it was an exact F sharp. So they perceive what we would think as like, oh, that's just noise, that's just you know, but those have a pitch. that, that is data essentially. So. I mean, I'll probably get this wrong, but like a C1 has a specific hertz, and that's a pitch and a frequency.
0: Do you know what the hertz is?
1: I wish I did now, because, uh, yeah, I've seen thrown myself up, for the long I think end. it's
0: about 240 hertz. There you go, or
1: maybe. Or 236, <laughs> or something like that. But, you know, these pitches have, you know, a, a data equivalent. Yeah. And, and so, with sonification, for example, we're looking things almost in the reverse through a data, or through various data, we can transform this into sound. And then in this project, we're looking at making these sounds per se into music, which will be part of a final performance.
0: So, Patrizia, I'm going to turn to you. We have this whole array of real experts coming on the day. Mm -hmm. So on the day itself, tell us about the day. When is the day? Where do people have to go and tell us about these experts that you've brought together
2: from right across Europe? So the day is uh, Sunday, May 1st, and it starts at 2 p.m. at Rock Hall down in Belval. And basically, we have two programs running in parallel. We have a like a kind of mini science fair where people can uh, try out various forms of sonification in a playful way. So um, please come with your kids uh, because there's going to be a lot of stuff to see and to, and to hear and to try out. Um, and then in the club space of Rock Hall, we'll have in parallel a series of presentations we will have a panel discussion um, that you will moderate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just an aside here, I'm only moderating it in lieu of uh, the wonderful Dr. Michelle Weber, who unfortunately almost broke her Achilles tendon through a climbing accident, so we yes. wish her well.
2: And uh, and that panel discussion for me is very interesting because the the project, as, as Paul said, is mainly focused on how can we use data and become creative with it uh, when we are a musician or an artist? But sonification has other purposes as well. And so on the panel, we'll have uh, Christian Vogel, who is a very well-known music producer who's been working with sonification for years. But we also have um, Nuria Bonet, who is a, um, a Spanish uh, musician that was raised here in Luxembourg and is now in the UK. And she looks um, into sonification, but how can sonification actually be applied to traditional music? So we're a bit out of the realm of, um, of electronic music. And then Alexandra Supper uh, from Maastricht, and she has an approach that I personally am very excited about, is how do we use sonification to communicate with a larger audience about data, about things that are happening um, and that is a field that is coming uh, in the US, in the UK, hopefully hopefully soon in Luxembourg. We Can will you give us an example of what that actually means? Well, we, you will actually will be able to have an example, hear an example on May 1st. Um, Statech provided us with COVID data over the period of two years and we sonified this data. Wow. So people will be <laughs> able to hear... How COVID sounds, how the numbers, the numbers sound, uh, and there is a very interesting project that was, um, I think, launched at the end of last year. The Museum of Modern Art in London. They worked with digital artists and sonification artists, and they did like a, a five-minute video where you have this the impact of COVID on London, on the city of London, and the sounds really add a totally other dimension. I mean, you probably know that we, the beginning of COVID, you hear about the deaths, you know, and everyone is like horror and what's going to happen. And then over time, like with the war, you just get, you know, okay, another round of deaths, another round of sick people, another round of people having to leave their country. But if you add a sound element to it, and the sound has been derived by the data, that's a completely other world. It's 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 very emotional. It's the emotional connection to Mm. to the numbers. To the numbers, yes.
0: And when it comes to sonification, and you're trying to put those numbers into sound, numbers are linear. There's there's one set of numbers. So I assume you're taking different sets of data and layering them because normally a composition requires chords or layers of notes together.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think one of the things that is very interesting, but also it's what what you just mentioned. It's this that human element because if if you talk to a composer and he composes a piece of music based on the last year or so of infected cases in COVID, um, you will hear his interpretation of that data set. With sonification, it's um on a on a science and uh, a very sort of basic science level. You're looking for a reproduction. Of data, data on an uh, into sound, you know, and a scientist may look at it and say they want repeatable results, so you always get the same results. And the thing that we're doing here that's sort of different is to put that creative element, which is working with local groups uh, and artists. Um, we'll get to this as well. We'll take part in workshops and the residencies. That's also paid. For to create music with data sets. So it's composing using sonification tools. So there is this sort of artistic interpretation element there, but the data sets are, are quite linear, as you say. They're quite specific. But what comes out of it and how it's used is still, to some extent, the interpretation of the artists and the people involved. And that's something that I think that is the sort of missing step between getting these sounds into more, I guess, palatable or tangible ways so that people can sort of not only listen to it and have a connection maybe with the artist and their way of interpreting the, the, the source, but also finding out about the data set that has been transformed.
0: It's very interesting, actually. I'm thinking back to my maths days where, you know, you're given a pile of data and you have to figure out what's the best way to present this data, mm-hmm. to visualise this data. And actually, the world of data visualisation is a, a massive world, an increasing
2: world. Mm-hmm. And this is another way in which to present the data. It's another way. It's a complementary way. But it's also, when we never think about it, there are a lot of people that are visually impaired, Yes. How do you present data to blind people, to visually impaired people? So sonification offers really an additional tool to communicate about things, and not only for the broader audience, but like in the context really of, of scientists. Um, there is this Mexican-American astronomer who turned blind at the age of 20, thought that she would have to give up on her career, on her dream, and then discovered sonification, and her team actually discovered a certain event in a galaxy thanks to sonification the people on the team that looked only at the data hadn't seen it and ever since she and also other scientists are actually promoting to use sonification on top of visualization because your hear your ear actually perceives the differences way better than your than eye. That's what Paul was saying on, on the music teacher.
0: Well, it makes yeah. a perfect comparison when yeah. you think about space. And that's actually easy, I think, for most people to understand, because when we think about space, we think about light and wavelengths. Mm. And when you think about wavelengths, you can quite easily think about sound. So the two yes. match very, very well yeah. indeed. So tell us about the artists and what's available to them and the, the workshops going forward.
1: Okay, could I add something to what what she just said? Uh, Because I think one of the guests, uh, which is a a very good sort of link to that, is Neil Harbison. Basically, he's colorblind and he has um, an antenna that's implanted on his head that sends him through uh, analysis, uh, it sends him bleeps and blops that I I think for most people, they would just hear like (laughs) almost when, when you're on radio frequencies and you just hear these weird kind of tones. It's analysing the whole time what he sees, as he's colorblind, he can't, he can't distinguish certain colours, and it's, it's giving him sounds for the various colours that he's seen that he can't visually recognise, but through the sounds he can say that, oh, the, these are these tones of red or orange and things like that. I'm just and thinking
0: when he visits his doctor, I I, I can yeah. probably guess you don't work in the medical field. The bleeps and blops will transfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, that's, that's maybe not what you want to hear from your doctor.
0: No, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's I mean, it, it yeah. works. It works. And it's a phenomenal, what a discovery to be able to implant something that can transfer just say again how that works i don't think i've fully got how
1: yeah, so it's basically and it's almost like an implant on his on his cranium a bit like if you if you look at how hearing devices might work that might be connected sort of uh, i guess here around your temples and around the ear region and through the antenna it analyzes and it feeds back i guess sound basically the data that it's analyzing of the colors and what it's seen it feeds back through sound waves i guess and, and sounds that he is hearing the whole time I mean, if, if, if you think about it and have a look and, and you turn on a on machine and, and think, oh, okay, so these sounds are reflecting what I'm seeing, he has that on the whole time. It's, I mean, I, I guess he can turn it off. I mean, I, I guess he, when he goes to sleep, that's something you would turn off. But through living with this, he's learned, you know, to adapt and basically doesn't have to think about oh, what what does this sound represent? Through years of using this, he knows that these sounds that means this color that means this you know and that mm-hmm. goes to show as well how how amazing like the human brain is and 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 how things can develop in that way so
0: how amazing the the people who think about making these things are also Absolutely. the creativity i mean it's wonderful to have you both here because when i think about events like we're going to move on to the World Expo, but also ESH 2022 European Capital of Culture at the moment. It's so lovely to shine a light on these projects where normal people at school, as they go through their education, they don't get to see this. This is not in the current curriculum. It's not even in the curriculum at any music school I know of right now. Mm. Not not here in Luxembourg anyway. Um, and so to, to just shine a light on opportunities for people to think maybe, ah, oh, that's so interesting and for perhaps a child to come along and have a little demonstration of something and just to implant that message, I could do this in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, inspiration is, is uh, education is a huge, is a huge thing. I mean, I, I remember things that my, my, some of my teachers taught me at school in, in terms of, uh, for example, she well, we were shown a picture uh, of a nice oil painting and then she said, have a look at that, tell me what you think. And then afterwards said, this was the last painting that this painter ever painted. Now, how do you feel looking at this, like this power of interpretation, things like that. And those are things that stick with you. And if you get inspired by something and maybe in this project with people looking at how sonification works and how maybe I can use this as a tool in my daily life or as a creative, I can use this to compose music. And I think you wanted to talk about the... Uh,
0: yeah, I'd love to hear more yeah. about the opportunities for the artists that you have coming along. Yeah,
1: so one of the big parts of this project is to involve uh, local artists um, in residencies, workshops, um, which will be taking place for the rest of the year, culminating in a final performance on the 3rd of December at the Rock Hall Club. Uh, it's a paid residency i I say this at the top because i mean it's it's it you know
0: money is always a factor
1: yeah i mean it's it's quite geeky it's quite technical but um if you know that oh you're getting two thousand euros to be part of this project and to perform what you're working on i think it gives a slight incentive to hey i might click this link and actually read what's in it so
2: where can people find the link
1: so I guess you'll post this uh, somewhere, but it's uh, a pretty
2: On www this, the sound of data dot Lu. exactly. L1. So I will link to that, of course, in the, the show notes. Don't forget the the because a lot of people do sound of data and then nothing comes up. Maybe I would just like to seize the opportunity because yep. we haven't mentioned him yet uh, uh, to mention Valérie Vermeulen, who is actually the sonification artist that is working with the data currently collected. By by um, researchers from the University of Luxembourg and List, and he will be coaching uh, and mentoring the artists that will be part of the artist residency, alongside um, a number of other interesting yep. um, artists. Yeah, and just to say, I have read. Who, <laughs> given that I
0: have to moderate the event next weekend, mm. I have read the list of people you have coming, and they're really top of their field. Yeah. yeah. They're really great people, and for those people who might be listening from across the border, who may not know Esch-Belval area, tell us a little bit about what is there. I mean, you've come from Rockall, you've worked with FNR and so many of the science institutions and the University of Luxembourg. So, tell us what's the vibe like in Belval?
2: In Belval, for me, it's very interesting. I mean, I I, uh, I grew up here, and Belval really used to be the place where you had the steel industry so you wouldn't really go there un- unless you worked <laughs> in the steel industry and I remember when I think it was uh, former minister Erna when she came up with this idea of creating a university and subsequently Belvalu was picked I mean a lot of people were a bit like is this ever going to happen And I do remember from my time at the ministry, Belval was at its very beginning. So there was maybe one building and I had to bring down our U.S. partners, future partners down to Belval. And they looked at me and they said, is this safe? (laughs) (laughs) I think this is safe. It has For me, it's an amazing transformation. It's a very young vibe. It's very international. It actually represents what Luxembourg is, uh, um, like a melting pot of different nationalities.
0: Yeah, well, that's a great segue into Daniel, in fact, and the land of opportunity. And just to to add on to that about Belval, I was there during the week, actually working with the University of Luxembourg students. And where we were working, it was just uh, outside. It was a lovely sunny day, as most days have been this week. And they were working on what was part of the steel industry just behind us, converting it into Like a steel amphitheatre, and they're going to do a play there next Mm -hmm. week. It's so lovely how they're transforming all of the elements of the steel industry. So uh, with that wonderful segue that you've given me, Patrizia, moving to you, Daniel, and just to introduce you to our audience. You are an international business developer, advisor, project manager, and you've worked for various industries across the world. Skilled advisor and consultant for international relations and foreign trade, Business planning and corporate strategy, marketing management, innovation and international project management with a specific passion for World Expos and adding on to that hiking and air ballooning. Now, most recently, Daniel was the director of the Luxembourg Pavilion at Expo 2020 Dubai, seconded there by the Luxembourg Chamber of Commerce on this project for the last five years. He was also the National Project Coordinator for Luxembourg at Expo 2017 in Astana, Kazakhstan and participated in the Shanghai World Expo as part of the Economy Programme. So with the Chamber of Commerce in Luxembourg, he remains Head of International Trade and International Affairs and has also worked across major non-EU markets such as China, Africa and the Association of Southeastern Asian Nations, ASEAN. He was a member of the Executive Committee for Luxembourg for Finance, an advisor for international affairs at Eurochambre covering Asian projects. Welcome, Daniel.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: It's so nice to have you back in Luxembourg, even yeah, sure. if it's just <laughs> temporary before you return to Dubai tomorrow, I believe.
3: Tomorrow, exactly.
0: So we're very, very happy to have you here. It's been quite the journey for you. I mean, you have a phenomenal CV, with a great focus on the Asian countries, your work internationally representing Luxembourg. But of course, I want to start with Dubai. Tell us about that experience that you've worked on for longer than you imagined because of COVID.
3: Indeed, indeed. It took us uh, one year longer uh, when Expo um, was planned in happening in 2020, therefore also the name uh, Expo 2020. Um, it has been postponed due to the effects of, of COVID, obviously, on uh, the construction in general. But also, I believe that uh, the world was not ready yet uh, to have such an event happening. Um, now, what, what is very interesting, and uh, it made me click uh, so, so much, is when uh, uh, Patricia was talking about Ash about the transformation of uh, Ash When I first arrived uh, to Dubai some five years ago uh, and when I visited the head office of uh, the organization committee of Expo 2020, uh, I stepped out on the terrace and I just saw desert. (laughs) I saw (laughs) desert (laughs) with uh, three (laughs) flagpoles or actually four flagpoles. And uh, the explanation I got is where each flagpole is we will have our own pavilion built. And so they they were the three uh, seam expos, uh, sustainability pavilion, mobility pavilion and opportunity pavilion, on top of the UAE pavilion, which is the pavilion of the land of dreamers who do. And <laughs> I believe this summarizes actually what this World Expo was about. It is, um, uh, It was definitely a dream for the locals, um, whether it is now Dubai or the Emirates in general, to uh, get such a mega event and to make it happen. Uh, a little bit uh, linked to our claim, let's make it happen which is our uh, nation branding claim. Um, so you see already there are many similarities between Dubai and Luxembourg because we we just do the things. And um, hence, Dubai has limited resources, but they bring in many people from all over the world. They um, attract talents from all over the world, consultants, and they make it happen and they made a tremendous world expo
0: well they have some limited resources and they have a, a major excess of one particular resource which means that uh, the money flows the money flows <laughs> as well as the oil uh, you mentioned the themes for the dubai expo and because luxembourg signed up quite early you were able to choose where you wanted to settle your pavilion and luxembourg chose the land of opportunity Yes. Why was this?
3: So under under the general theme, first of all, connecting minds, creating the future. I think um, it it was very obvious that Luxembourg needs to participate in this expo. Uh, first of all, because um, this theme is so deeply linked to our uh, DNA and um, second is also Dubai where we wanted to present our opportunities. So uh, Luxembourg might also be seen as with working with limited resources. But what we achieved here in Luxembourg is to bring exactly also those talents here to Luxembourg, Uh, whether it is in the financial field, whether it's now in the space industry, even even in ICT. Um, We we always brought people together, which is, by the way, also represented a little bit by this uh, X in our uh, nation branding again, Um, bringing people together working on ideas, working on projects, similar to what we see now here in, in happening in, in Ash 2022. Go back um,
0: and explain that, because I'm not sure everybody understands, the Luxembourg, let's make it happen, the X is large in Luxembourg.
3: Yes, the X is large because, uh, first of all, the X uh, is, we are, one of the two countries having an X in the name next to Mexico. and um, That's a very good trivia fact.
0: Yeah. <laughs> i just put that in my mind for <laughs> the next pub, a pub quiz. Pub yeah. quiz, yeah. <laughs>
3: exactly. Um, and, and then the, the X represents actually uh, people coming from the four corners of the world. So you have four arrows. Four arrows pointing inwards towards Luxembourg and then four arrows pointing outwards from Luxembourg into the world again. So it's bringing people together in Luxembourg, working on ideas, working on projects and then spreading those ideas uh, into the world.
0: You are the first person who has ever explained that to me. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Moving on, I want to now talk about how you made it happen from standing in that desert spot where you were told, right, pick your place. (laughs) And So uh, Luxembourg had had a wonderful location, I'm led to believe, which was close to the entrance. And then you had to build something. So how did the architecture happen? How did you find the architects to build the wonderful pavilion that was there?
3: Well, uh, this is obviously uh, a very uh, let's say, uh, organized way of moving forward. We have uh, we have rules and regulations so means that we uh, had to have a a tender process we opened up a tender process for architecture and scenography for our uh, pavilion we gave like um, a a draft of ideas which we wanted to see implemented in a way or another uh, in in the project and then it was basically left to the interpretation and to the creative spirit of the architect and the sonographer to develop something. Now we had uh, 19 projects that were handed in and uh, we have uh, decided to go with the project we which we know by now, um, uh, the project from uh, the architect studio Metaform uh, with the lead architect Shama Gajani and uh, Gigi Kirchner. Then on top we they have worked also with a sonographer with which is a well-known German studio jangled nerves so together they developed um, the the ideas to be Put into our pavilion the, the artworks, exhibits, um, the movie, uh, obviously also the highlights, the slide. The
0: slide <laughs> um, that most people seem to have gone
3: down the toboggan. Uh, uh, exactly, exactly. So um, this was a, a representation of Luxembourg, again under a very specific theme: resourceful Luxembourg. We wanted to highlight five resources of Luxembourg in our pavilion. So this was actually in the in the brief. And uh, uh, they came up with uh, diversity, with uh, um, connectivity, with sustainability, enterprising spirit and the beauty of our, our nature.
0: On that point, you also really used the five senses and food was a big element of this too. And you really thought about bringing gastronomy into the pavilion.
3: Absolutely. Uh, this was at the very beginning where our Commissioner-General, uh, Miss Maginagel, um, has approached uh, the Luxembourg uh, Hospitality and Tourism School in Dickirsch and uh, where we have developed uh, a very strong project inside our project so uh, students got the opportunity to work uh, first of all at world expo for a couple of uh, weeks Um, and then also liaising with uh, a very well-known local specialist in the hospitality field in dubai in dubai yes there's a lot of
0: good food in dubai
3: Absolutely. So it, it it was for them a, a very enriching experience to be there for two months. Uh, each group was there for two months and to learn about this multicultural environment, but also working with with a leading hospitality provider in in Dubai. Uh, this was uh, so enriching you can you cannot imagine, and it was always very interesting for me to see a new group arriving and to see their development over the course of the two months. And uh, everybody just came back with uh, High praise. What, with gratefulness.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what an amazing experience for a student at that level to be thrown into something that doesn't happen every year and to get that experience in a completely different continent with a completely different mindset. And also, I'm just thinking about The resources, as you say, one of these big words. And when it comes to a place like the United Arab Emirates, and I know because I live there, you do think about where food comes from because you can't grow everything there. So there's all of that going on as well. I want you to tell me then how you put teams together because you started from scratch. So how do you form these teams to work together continuously over the period of years? You're like a family. You're creating a new family every time you develop a new team how do you pick those people?
3: Well, first of all, I mean, those those teams are not necessarily picked, um, but they they come together, and then you need to make them work uh, together.
0: That's well, also um, a bit
3: like family. <laughs> but but it, it's it's yeah, it can be. <laughs> um, so, what what you mentioned is is fully right. It becomes a family, and we have one child or one baby in common and we want to make uh, out of it a child and when it comes to operation I see it as an an adult which uh, starts uh, to be fully independent in in a way. Um, So First of all, you, you need to analyze the backgrounds of the different people you are working together. And then you try to look into also getting rid of conflicts. Huh? Um, because like in a family, uh, you have <laughs> fights. Huh? Um, sometimes uh, they are minor. Sometimes they are more important. But you have them. Uh, and and you, you try to come down and say, we have one common objective is, again, to make it happen, to uh, make this pavilion to open, first of all, this pavilion when Expo starts and then over the course of the six months of operation to um, have a smooth time period where the visitors flock in.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a lovely answer. And I, I keep thinking of the analogy, the family. On the other side of creating the team, you have the visitors. So tell us who came to the pavilion. You have obviously global international visitors, and you met some amazing people as well. So give us a flavour of who you met and who, how many people came to the Luxembourg pavilion.
3: So in total, we had about uh, 700,000 visitors coming to our pavilion, but we were running almost at full capacity because the slide was so attractive (laughs) and we should have had actually uh, a second slide, (laughs) if if I'm honest. Um, But um, uh, let's say I, I want to come back to the context of Expo. Expo was the first largest mega event, let's say, after the pandemic or even in the pandemic, um, the way you look at the pandemic. Um, And it it was really a moment where people wanted to breathe again. And they they wanted to connect again with with other people. So whether it's families, whether it's tourists who wanted to fly out of their home country and and, uh, discover again something. Or business people who were uh, so much looking for new business opportunities, connecting again with uh, business partners. And uh, this was made possible through Expo but also through Dubai in general. Uh, Dubai was uh, the first destination opening up very very quickly. Of course there were rules and regulations again uh, very strict uh, measures you had to to, to follow um, and people were following those rules but again the, the whole ambience which was created it was 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 just mind blowing uh, to be honest. Now, um, when when I'm I'm talking about visitors, you have obviously the families, you have um, the children sitting in, in the in the movie room and watching our state of the art movie produced about uh, Luxembourg and its economic uh, development. And, uh, for example, one moment I had a small child um, uh, looking at it and uh, um, he approached me after uh, he visioned the movie and he said, "Um, are you working for the Luxembourg Pavilion? I said, yes, I'm working here. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for participating uh, to make my home country, which was Dubai, fulfill their biggest dream in building Burj Khalifa because Luxembourg participated through um, uh, steel and glass made in Luxembourg in this construction. So this is just so amazing. You've actually
0: given me goosebumps. Yeah, and and
3: this gives you goosebumps. Um, And and, and so many other moments where where you realise that we are definitely uh, punching also above our weight all the time.
0: But it also Um, shows the connectivity of the world. And of course, now we've seen that also, unfortunately, with the war in Ukraine, the fact that every country is linked and we depend so heavily on so many countries for different things. So Dubai was created with steel from Luxembourg. That's just one example. And I I won't focus on Ukraine today, but it shows the globalization of our current
3: world. Absolutely. And uh, uh, this is also true, especially for this expo. It was uh, 192 countries participated in this world expo. So Um, mainly every nation was present Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you get the opportunity to connect with each and every one. Uh, um, if you want to meet somebody from Marshall Islands you just uh, walk out your pavilion uh, cross the street and you are in the Marshall (laughs) Island pavilion Uh, if you want to see somebody from Ethiopia you go to Ethiopia Um, if you want to meet uh, your Belgian friends you go to the Belgian pavilion in in order to have a left uh, So
0: when when you retire I can already envisage you have the address book with the best people in every country in the world almost (laughs) and you can just hop from country Country.
3: (laughs) It will be my world tour after after Mm. World Expos. Yes.
0: Actually, just thinking about the World Expo, could you tell us the history of World Expos? We perhaps know that they start in Crystal Palace, but tell us the journey of the World Expo.
3: Well, first of all, um, it, it was obviously the intention to showcase what nations have or do. At, at its best so for this reason it started like you say in London uh, in 1851 uh, where it was not called World Expo what it it was do you know the name of uh, the first World Expo? Uh, That's pub quiz time Oh wow. my gosh
0: <laughs> U- Universal something or other? No
3: um, Great Exhibition of oh Works oh yes, of and course. Arts of the Nations The Great Exhibition so, Yes uh, you, you see it it, it was very, very different from from today. It was basically also putting technology advances in the the forefront. um, In a
0: time where we didn't have the ability to Google it. To
3: to Google it or also to travel because travel was definitely much, much more limited back in time than than today. So, um, World Expos um, have have developed um, but also became like a, a, a very let's say, I do not want to say a competition, but it was a moment where also countries could come up with a very lovely architectural building like uh, uh, the Atomium in Brussels or uh, the Eiffel Tower, just to name those. By the way, um, Dubai will also keep their Al-Wazil dome, uh, which is definitely also an architectural icon. Um, so it, it, it was a, a moment where where. You could learn about new technologies in the world, um, like, for example, the stitching machine has been presented at World Expos, the classroom setup, uh, which we know today has been presented at World Expo. Wow. Uh, So you have a couple of things which which have definitely impacted uh, the way we live uh, today presented at world expos now today it is uh, I will be very honest more a nation branding contest it is like um, uh, you decide as a country when you step in uh, and participate in a world expo the way you want to present uh, your country and this is actually a an huge and a unique opportunity because also media is focusing so, mu- focusing so much on this event that you, you get the opportunity to I would say teach people about what your country is about and uh, this was, in, in, again, in Dubai, uh, a, a unique opportunity where we uh, were connecting with um, media from, from literally all over the world.
0: And then how do you tackle the question that floats about, which is to do with the cost and the amount of money poured into something like the World Expo for all of the countries involved? And you, you have the eternal question, that money could be put to such good use elsewhere how do you balance that ethical question
3: well first of all you you mustn't forget how it starts so it is by getting an invitation to participate in so it's literally like a friend who is inviting you to come over for a dinner
0: an expensive one <laughs> an expensive one yes
3: but uh, you decide uh, which amount of money you are putting on, 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 the, on the table. Of course, you can come with one rose, but mm-hmm. you can also buy uh, a bouquet of uh, 99 roses, for example. Uh, it is about the impression you want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, this, this doesn't come at a zero cost for sure, but you need to optimize this money. To a maximum, and this is what we definitely uh, try to do. For example, um, in um, in Dubai, where we were working very, very hard on communication, so spreading the word about our presence in Dubai, about what Luxembourg is about, um, into the four corners of, of the world. Uh, so, it, it's not just the money we have taken and uh, put into a building uh, but it is everything around and you know I I come also from a trade fair uh, business um, um, when you decide to go to an or when when Mercedes decides to go to uh, an automotive show uh, I mean they want to leave an impression Um, so obviously they will have a very different uh, way of looking at it like Dacia for example but It's definitely that they are taking a lot of money out of their pocket, putting it into a booth, which will leave the visitor uh, impressed and buy another Mercedes. Imprinted
0: with the stamp of Luxembourg.
3: You know, I I give you another example, which which was again, or which will give you definitely again goosebumps. Um, Three days before closing, uh, I had a man arriving because I Expo opened at 9 o'clock, pavilions open at 10 o'clock. At 9 o'clock I had uh, a man knocking on on the door and saying, uh, can you open please? I said, uh, no, we will open at 10 o'clock. No, 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 I have to buy uh, six caps from the Luxembourg pavilion. I said, yeah, but then please wait until 10 o'clock because nobody is there in the shop yet. So um, he said, no, 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 I have to explain you. Uh, I came to visit your pavilion in November. I went to Luxembourg in January. I was so amazed and today, Sunday, I want to um, surprise my family by offering each member of the family a cap from Luxembourg because we are going to spend our summer holidays here in Luxembourg. So you see, it, it is, uh, this is just one Obviously, one example I can give out of, out of many, many others where we were also linking up with business partners huh? when, when we are, were having, for example, the Made in Luxembourg week where we were showcasing smaller Luxembourg uh, producers um, or products and, and where they were offered already business opportunities also everywhere in the world. So it is definitely something which is worth it.
0: Well, you sell it so well and you do a fantastic job. In fact, so fantastic that you're off to Osaka next. So how do you transition and when do you get time to decompress a little bit. In fact, I'm not sure you're going to have time to decompress because alongside the expo, you've got married and you have a baby on the way due in a couple of months time. Congratulations for all of this. Thank you. <laughs> on the point of relaxing, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Let me not put that word in there because that doesn't come uh, in parallel to having a baby. But you are going to at some point transition to working on the World Expo in Osaka. True. So how are you going to extract yourself from
3: Dubai well I just uh, finished with a wonderful three day hike in the Ardennes with the wonderful uh, eastern weather we had um and uh, now focusing on on, on uh, embedding myself into uh, Japanese culture, so not necessarily So this into
0: tan that you have is from the Luxembourg. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> and not the Dubai. Style.
3: I, I, I never had the time to to be actually on on the beach. I, I was there once, yes, but uh, um, definitely the the, the project. You, you live in a bubble and. Um, uh, you, you, are, you are so taken by, by the project, so you, I had little time to tend. So, the tent definitely comes from the wonderful sun in, in the dance. <laughs> but Osaka? Osaka. Yeah. So, um, I- in fact, we, we just have three years' time uh, due to the postponement of Expo 2020 and also the fact that we are coming back into a regular uh, happening, so from April until November. Uh, uh, we only have three years left actually less than three years um, because the three years to go was on 13th of, of april Um it, it will be very very different uh, obviously it will be um, in in a, in a country which is uh, uh, much more uh, focusing on on itself uh, if i might put it that way so a little bit more closed, huh? uh, not this this hub. But uh, the reason why um, actually Expo is happening in Osaka after um, Expo uh, in Aichi, for example, in the early early twenties, uh, and then also uh, after an, an Osaka exhibition uh, which happened uh, in the seventies. So. Osaka wants to position Japan on an international scale, but also bring the world closer uh, to the Japanese, uh, mm-hmm. to the Japanese people. And uh, this is also very, very important. You know, we, we are we will target a very different audience. So the message we will send out, the way we are going to present Luxembourg uh, in Osaka, will be also very, very different. And this starts again with a tender, with a brief and with a creative uh, spirit of architects and scenographers.
0: So for our audience, who are hopefully going to listen to this, how can they look out for these tender opportunities? Because I'm sure there'll be quite a few in the offering. Where can people find information? And when will the opportunity be open for tender?
3: What sort of month? Well, you see, uh, this uh, show comes already too late because we finished the the, the first tender, which which is the architecture and scenography tender. Um, it closed on twelfth of April to be uh, precise. Uh, we are now in the process of analyzing the different um, projects we we received, and um, in early early June, um, mid June, end of June, uh, we will have uh, a winner and we will know the way Luxembourg will be presented uh, at Expo Osaka.
0: Okay, so we're a little <laughs> bit late for that tender, unfortunately, but what about all of the other... Well, there other? will be
3: other tenders, of yes. course. There will Where be the can construction they find the tender. information? So all the information will be shared on, on, on the website of uh, the, the World Expo project or Osaka. Uh, for the moment, this is also still under under uh, process. We we are. I don't want to say we are running late, but... Uh, we we will definitely look Working into on it. Yeah, first <laughs> of all, you need to close one project, which was obviously uh, Expo twenty twenty um, closed only on thirty on first of March. But uh, we are we need to move very very quick on Expo Osaka.
0: Well, I wish your wife good luck because uh, <laughs> <laughs> with you managing that and a young baby to toddler by the time Osaka comes around there's an awful lot to do well I'd like to bring you all into this because there are real links between the two did any of you manage to get to
2: Dubai to see the World Expo?
1: I didn't no, no.
2: I didn't but I, I I, kind of was there because um, part of our data collections are two mathematicians of the university And their project is called Crowdsourcing Art, where basically people have a screen and with their fingers can draw something. And those data points are then transformed um, into sounds. And they were at the Luxembourg Pavilion. And from what I've read and seen, uh, it was very successful. And they were very happy because they said the number of nationalities was amazing. And actually, they have done, I mean, I can share, I can send you the pieces of art that have been done there are quite, quite amazing.
0: That would be wonderful to see, yeah,
2: actually. Yeah. It's really, it was really nice. Um, but, but to the point, actually, I'd like to go back to to the point, uh, the question that you asked about the expenses, because it's also something uh, that is being said about the cultural capital. You know, why do you put so much money But I think after these two years of COVID and we have seen how challenging it is when, whether you're musicians or a country or whatever and online is your only platform. How do you make a difference? How can people experience something online? You know, you might have all the VR of the world but if you're not able to talk to people in person it's like very, very challenging. And I think, you know, whether you... Pay an advertising agency to do an international campaign on all the TV of this world or being able to go in a place where people are coming to you. I think that's money that is worth invested.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, and on the point of VR, I believe there is a virtual reality opportunity to look and experience the Luxembourg Pavilion, which is touring the country.
3: Exactly. This was a project which was developed by the Ministry of Digitalization. And um, they wanted to have a 360-degree view of, of the pavilion where you can af- actually have a walkthrough, a virtual walkthrough through the pavilion. Um, we were working, obviously, on-site with uh, uh, the artists and the team who, um, who, who came down to Dubai in order to record this. And uh, I think I have not personally seen it yet. Uh, but I, I definitely want to see it in the little bit of time I, I have left here in Dubai, in, in Luxembourg um, to just to see what was the true experience versus the virtual reality experience. But um, I mean, like Patricia said, it uh, nothing replaces uh, true connections, and uh, uh, this was also definitely the success of Expo twenty twenty, where people were eager to meet again people, mm-hmm. not only via a screen or, or a camera.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I'm learning, you also said it, Patricia, for the artists, for the musicians, COVID was a particularly tough time, a really tough time indeed. Mm-hmm. And so this gives them the opportunity to, to have that connection with their audience,
3: a real audience mm-hmm. once more. What, what, uh, what I want to say, uh, I mean, one of the visitors, uh, actually, he, he performed... Um, um, not, at Expo, but not at the Luxembourg Pavilion, was uh, Francesco Tristano. And um, I had a a brief discussion during his visit of the Pavilion, and he mentioned, for example, that for him as an artist, it is so different. I mean, he had his projects, which were online projects uh, or digital projects. Um, And then coming back to Let's say the real world where you have an audience, where you have the immediate reaction of the audience. I mean, this is irreplaceable.
0: It's a completely different energy.
3: It's a different, exactly. So it's like us here in the studio or doing it via teams. Mm mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. It, it it is not the same.
0: Actually, on that point, it's just a funny aside. But uh, you've decided to sit low, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> and Patrizia, you're quite high. And <laughs> I remember having this chat with somebody of the just yesterday. In fact, that when you do all of your meetings over Zoom, you never know the proportions of a person. You only ever see the mm. head in the screen. And when you meet in real life, you think, "Oh, you're very tall," or "You're small. You're smaller than I thought you were." So it's it's, yeah. it's a,
2: a really different uh, you know aspect of I a person. I have a funny anecdote on that, and that was at the ICT Spring many years ago. So It was the evening where they present the awards. We're sitting in the dark on these tables. Next to me was Xavier Bettel, who at the time was still at the city of Luxembourg. And he said, yeah, I'm going to do my speech and unfortunately I'll have to leave. You'll have an empty seat next to you. And I'm like, it's all fine. And at some point, this guy comes over from the next table and asks if he can sit for a moment. And I'm like, sure, you know. So he sits, he talks to whoever And then he leaves, and then my other neighbor says, he said, you know who that was? And I'm like, no, that was the actor Christophe Lambert. And I'm like, really? Because I watched all the Highlander films. And then I look back and he said, he's way shorter than what I remember from his film. I did not recognize him seeing him like live. The screen does different things
0: to us.
1: I think over COVID, we've all learned how to mute and unmute our mics. (laughs) Most people. uh, (laughs) Most people. Most people. (laughs) Most people. (laughs) And and the other part of it is discovering what people's living rooms and home offices look like. And sometimes you think, oh, I would expect something different, or it's a very sort of bland white kind of space, or some people have these amazing sort of living rooms with like vintage furniture, and it's like, oh, this is this is a change. It's quite different. You or know?
0: you also think about how a person has positioned themselves to be perceived as such.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's and the, the height thing is definitely yeah, <laughs> it, it can be quite confusing.
0: <laughs> Any final words that you'd like to send out to our audience today?
1: Neil Harbison, who I spoke of before who's a cyborg with who who has, you know, sonification that he lives, is also talking and presenting at the event. I think it's something that's to highlight that people should come along. But to all artists that are interested in taking part in our paid residency, I think it's a good kick off point and it might inspire them to Click on a link and maybe fill in a form.
2: And I would just maybe focus on the families with kids. We talk a lot about STEM, and I think uh, that Science Fair will be a neat opportunity for kids to discover that science can be actually
3: very fun.
0: Oh, yes, it can. It can indeed. And the last word to you, Daniel.
3: Well, uh, I would sum it up. Uh, Stay curious, stay inspired, because um, that's what it is all about. And uh, what I learned again at this World Expo is that um, when you stay curious uh, about other nations, you learn a lot of things and uh, you connect with uh, wonderful people.
0: Thank you all so much for your time. I wish you a very lovely return to Dubai. Best of luck in the final, what is it now, uh, month of to your wife of her pregnancy in the increasing temperatures of uh, Dubai. I think it's Dubai you live in, not Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Increasing temperatures in Abu Dhabi. Good luck with everything that is to come. And uh, congratulations on all of the work that you did for the Luxembourg Pavilion in uh, Dubai. And best of luck for next weekend. I will be there. And to all of uh, you listening, I hope that you can join us on the 1st of May in Belval, where we're going to have lots of fun with sonification and learn a bit more about how big data can be transformed into sound. Thank you all so much.